All right. Welcome to the podcast named after somebody who cannot hear. How are we doing today, Riley? It's called the Deaf Cast, bro. Well, I'm trying to add something new, but you're just killing the vibe. But anyway, well, yeah, you didn't call it. This is me and Riley, and we're joined by everyone again, but he's going to be spacious. And then we got another guest. He's going to be spacious. Hey, how are you guys doing? <laughs> you're good. You just talk like away from the mic. Just talk normally. Just speak oh, normally. Yeah, bro. It's, it's my first time on the podcast. Yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, just talk normally, but yeah. But it's funny. We've been talking for the past like two or three hours just about shit that we could have talked about in here. Oh, no, I feel dude. like we we oh, already no, talked too that's much. That's the thought that always goes through my mind. Like ah, crazy. I told you before <laughs> you started doing this podcast thing, where you're gonna be like having all these crazy conversations before and after. You'd be like. <laughs> Why recording while we were doing this? Uh, I don't know. I mean, that's just how it goes. You just start talking and it just kind of comes out of you. Good but friends and good conversation. Yes. Yeah. But, but, real question, but real question is, is this going to be the uh, the year of war movies? Um, It won't be the year of it, but it's definitely making a comeback. I mean, shit in general is just coming back in terms of like, COVID, like, things are actually getting better. Things are starting to go back to normal. And they're actually releasing movies now, not, like, delaying them anymore. Because now they have Quiet Place 2 coming out, I think, in a week or two. But, boys, it's right. not just about horror movies. We have to talk about the games, too. Resident Evil Village. Oh, yeah. I really want to check that out. What's the, uh, uh, To be honest, y'all going to hate me. I've never played any of the Resident I've Evil I've never games. played a Resident Evil game. Yeah, wow. yeah. yeah. I've played, like... Bits and pieces of some of them, but they're good. They're fun. Um, my favorite series, really. Of all time. But the new yeah, ones are just strictly horror. Yeah. It's it's not like a shooter game. It's just well, the thing okay. is. So the first couple, they were what set the genre for horror in games, right? right? They were like everyone tried to copy Resident Evil. They get to four. They implemented this action uh, dynamic into it, and it's known as the best in the series. But every game after that for quite some time, they were trying to chase that same high, the success that it had, right? And so it got purely action, and so, you know, uh, sales and reviews kind of went down. Or no, sales went up still, but reviews went down and kind of tarnished its reputation. They took a step back for a couple of years. They came back with seven. It's all horror, all, you know, shock value. They reinvented the series. And now Resident Evil 8 Village came out, it's amazing. One of the best games this year, easily. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as far as, like, horror games go, the only one that I remember for sure off the top of my head would be, like, Outlast. Um, Outlast. Very, cool. very fun game. There's another one, I think, it's, like, When We Go to Sleep or some shit like that. And it's, it's basically you're playing in a point of view of a baby. Uh-huh. And, like, you hear some weird shit going on. And, like, as a baby, of course, your imagination is crazy. So you're going to their home, and you're crawling around and trying to find your stuffed bear that ran away. And you go through, like, these ghost portals and shit, and you're going through these, like, different, like, world themes, like a forest or a library or whatnot. You're just this baby, and you're hiding from, like, shadow figures and whatnot. Very entertaining game, very fun, but... You know, like, I know this might sound far-fetched, but I really don't think it is with how quick technology is changing. I think eventually horror games might outshine horror movies if they get to the point where, like, say it's not just VR anymore. Say it's, like, you actually have digital surroundings, things like that. Like, screens that 
you know, are all around you or projections. Um, or or uh, something like uh, what I know you haven't seen it, but like sort of online where they download your consciousness into the game. Well, I was thinking more along the lines of uh, have you have y'all seen the Black Mirror episode where the guy he uh, signs up to test out this game and they find out what creeps them out the most. Eventually, they'll probably have horror games that like where they find out what your um, greatest fears are, you know, and they kind of mm. play off of that. Or they find what your preferences are. Interesting. Yeah. Playing a game that knows what your biggest fear is and making you fate that's like, oh no, big titty bitches. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Violet, aren't you getting married, bro? I was joking. I was joking. Where like, the joke coming from? Bro? I was joking. <laughs> Wait, that, 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 that meme is like, oh, yeah, that's fear funny you track or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> big, big titty melts. <laughs> But. Giant asses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's interesting. That's an interesting take, though. That horror, horror games are going to be better than movies. Because the thing is, is, is that you can also you can also incorporate a story into there if you want. I mean, like, yeah, outlet outlet the perfect. And you could, them. I think, at some point, you could start having like actors in there. Like, imagine you're just in a room and Ed and Lorraine Warren from The Conjuring <laughs> come up to you and be like, "Yo." We got a Ouija board. Let's fuck around tonight. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, okay. When you're done playing as a demon actually in your room, it's like, what's up, homie? You're like, wait. I, I think turned that game off already. It's just real life, dude. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if Conjuring 3 is going to be good or not. Jordan, I, already, so. I, I know you're saying it's going to be good. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm don't skeptical. Know. I, I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical too. I it's think a like different... after the third installment, it started to go downhill. I mean, we should. I feel like that's with almost every horror movie franchise. Not necessarily though. I remember I actually liked Insidious three. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, you got like the con. You have uh, Paranormal Activity. Hmm. You have like Alien, for example. I mean, once you hit like the third movie, you're kind of like. Eh. Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping it's a good movie and it's entertaining. I mean, you, I just, look at Jordan, you're very, you're very optimistic for it, but I don't know. What would you say? Is it, so the reason why I think there's a lot of, I guess, like hesitation around Conjuring 3 is that a lot of people will say, okay, so James Wan's not, he's no longer at the helm, right? And it's kind of interesting that James Wan decided to like step away from really his flagship franchise to go do something like Aquaman 2. I think that's a whole nother conversation. I don't mm -hmm. really understand that decision. But not only that, but it's the director of La Girona. Here's the thing about that movie to me. I'm not really... I'm not sure I'm convinced that it's the direction of that movie that's the problem. I mean, I think that movie is largely a missed opportunity because of the rich culture that surrounds La Girona that was never explored it. I believe doesn't the movie take place in like what New York or something? It's about La Llorona. That doesn't make sense La, to me. Yeah, so that's. I don't remember. I don't. I I, 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 I didn't watch the movie because I saw the reviews were like dog shit. Well, see, this is the thing about the movie. It's not. Hmm. It's in New York. Dude, I don't know. I mean, What's it's like New Jersey. It's like I it's mean, somewhere in the states. But LA, La Llorona. At least it's like near Mexico or something. Right. It's but. not. <laughs> it's not. I don't think so. The fuck? Why did you pick? Like, I have no idea. I I say like you want to do a movie about a banshee, but you go to fucking China. To yeah. Like, that makes no sense. It makes no sense. But I will say like, who I don't know the name of the director. Do either one of you guys know? I I don't. 
I don't know. I, I only know like James Wan, Ari Aster, like the big ones. The big ones. Yeah. See, but stylistically, it was very similar to a James Wan movie. It's almost like if you were to pick up like a movie with a really bad screenplay. So there are certain elements. So you know, James Wan does this thing like he'll introduce like, like let's say like okay, in Insidious, there was like the little baby toy thing, mm-hmm. and the mom like kicks it. She's like, oh shit, <laughs> didn't mean to kick it. And it makes a lot of noise. You're like, all right, I know that's gonna fuck. That's yeah, going to be always, something. You always know what's going to be something. You know what's going to be something, but it's always still really exciting to see the execution. It yeah. always is. Like, you're, you're, you know it's going to be something big, and you're yeah. just waiting for that moment. You're like, yeah. Oh, see, there's moments like that in Like Your Run. Even, like, okay, in the trailer for Conjuring 3, it's like the waterbed. You're like, all right, that's going to fuck. Even in the trailer, you see a demon comes out of it. So the director does have a similar style to James Wan, and I'm confident that... I don't remember if that was, like, his debut... But I think that was his first horror. I could be wrong, but I think he has time to like grow since then as a director. I mean, like you said, if there's a good script, there's pos- like there's a possibility that it could be good as long as they do a good job of it. If they like, to me, I, I get really bothered whenever there's like a like a series that already exi- like that already exists and a different director takes a hold of it and. I don't mind if they make it their own as long as the quality still stays, but mm-hmm. I don't like it feeling completely different, like to the yeah. point where it doesn't feel like it's part of the same trilogy, you know? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. Cause that's happened a lot with like other series, you know? Yeah. I'm worried about like, that too. I'm that happens with all the Marvel movies. Like they'll yeah. make a trilogy for a character and it's like three different directors and the consist, like it's never consistent at all. Like, yeah, I agree. I-, I also know that something that gave me pause was I read yesterday. They, almost neglected to show the warrens haunted museum in the conjuring three that like originally that wasn't in the writer's room but then they decided maybe we should right but i think that's reason to give pause but also it's a little bit encouraging because maybe they are considering we want this to be something that is tonally consistent to a conjuring movie and I think while there are different, like, all of the movies in the franchise aren't James Wan, but, like, like Annabelle Creation, I think that's my third favorite in the franchise after The Conjuring 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm not, I, I mean, you know, I don't claim that this is going to be as good as Conjuring 1 and 2, but I'm just excited, one, to be back in a the theater, two, to get a good horror movie, as long as there are some moments that are genuinely frightening, which I do believe we will get, because I'm also confident in Patrick Wilson. I hear that he is pretty um, influential in making the movies, and he's trying to direct Insidious 5, so hopefully he'll give the director some guidance. I love actors that are invested in horror. Um, one that I really love, I forget his name. Have you seen the movie Upgrade? Yeah, the guy who looks like Venom? Yeah. He looks like Tom. <laughs> he is, like, he does really good movies. I know that he's um, he's a big horror fan, because I used to follow him on Instagram whenever I had that, and he would, like, make lists of movies that people should watch. Um, he was also in The Invitation, which I highly recommend. Mm. It's not necessarily a horror movie, but it's one of those movies that kind of fucks with your head. Mm. But, um, yeah, he was in that, and, uh, I thought he just brought something really great to it, because he was someone that was very invested in horror, and Upgrade's not necessarily a horror movie, but the writer and director of it, he wrote Insidious, and he directed Insidious 3, and he was also in the Insidious movies, but, Mm. um, and he made Invisible Man. Oh, Lee Whannell? Lee Whannell, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, in that movie, the way things play out kind of follows, um, 
I guess, like, the story of, like, a horror movie. Like, the way the movie finally ends kind of has that... I'm getting a little off track. I forgot what I was going to bring up about that actor. But I just, I was going to say, I just love seeing, like, actors that are very invested in that sort of thing. So Patrick Wilson, like, I'm, I'm really happy to see that he's been in so many of the Conjuring movies. I'm happy to see that he's going to, like, make his own Insidious movie. So he definitely has a passion for it. So I feel like he yeah. might actually make something really good. Yeah. yeah. That's coming out this year, right? The next Insidious? Or is that... Sometime later. I think that's sometimes at a. I think that's at a later date. I don't think that's coming out this year. Okay, as long as it's at least slightly better than the last Insidious, dude. That one. That was, one was so bad. It Hopefully was so it's bad. I think this year we got we got Conjuring. We have a Quiet Place too. Then we have the Green Knight. Green Knight. Green Knight. Candyman. Not horror, or we'll see. We'll see. It might be Green Knight. Yeah. Is that the Candyman. Candyman. Candy. Yeah, you haven't seen the trailer no. for the remake? Candyman, I think it's, what, September now? Dude, it was supposed I'm, to come out last year, so it's one I'm of I'm skeptical movies. about that one. I'm skeptical about that one. I am skeptical about um, that I think just because... So, Jordan Peele's just a producer behind it. Is mm-hmm. he the writer, too? I don't know, man. Because he just... I, I don't really think that... Like, I think he did great with Get Out, and Us was decent. Um... But I think he just... I think he already hit his peak. I think so, too. I, I think, think either he should venture into another genre or maybe uh, do comedy again. Because he was great with comedy, of course. Like, he did yeah. Key and Peel for years. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's one movie that I wanted to ask you if y'all seen. I know I've talked to you about it before. But it's more of a monster than a horror movie. But Jordan, have you seen Thirty Days of Night? I've not. I've, I've heard, heard that. Is about that the it. vampire movie? Yeah. Is it good? It's so good. It is so good. It's not cliche. Yeah. Like other vampire movies. Yeah. It's. I don't know. I don't. I don't know how to describe it. It's just. It's a very fun but good directed and filmed movie. Cause it, yeah. Based off this little town in Alaska. Okay. And you know how in Alaska during the winter time there's a period where there's a month or two where the, either the sun is up 24-7 mm-hmm. or it's down 24-7. Mm-hmm. Now this movie takes place during a time in the winter where the sun is down 24-7. Okay. And so normally the lore of it is that they're just clan of vampires again it's not like a cliche vampire movie they don't look like cliche vampires mm-hmm. but there's this clan of vampires where every year at that time of year in Alaska they go to a small town and over the course of the month they pick out people one by one and eat them Okay. and use them for meals oh. and so basically the whole plot of this film is it revolves around this guy who's a police officer, his little brother, of course, they're the love interest. Yeah. And then some other townspeople. Okay. And it's very like Overlord slash. Remember, have you seen Alien vs. Predator? Oh, no, 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 no. I don't no. think I have. Riley, have you, you've seen Alien vs. Predator, right? We watched the first 20 or 30 minutes okay. of it. I need to finish yeah. it, but I was like, I was on Alien High whenever we were yeah. watching it. So we had just watched Alien 1 and 2, and I was like, that was yeah. 
so fucking you know amazing. The, so yeah. I, I had trouble getting into those. Yeah, you know I the beginning the of uh, Alien vs. Predator when they were in uh, Snow City, a snow town? In the yes. very, very beginning, and how everybody's moving around, and it's dark and snowing all the time. I think so, yeah. It's just like that, with a little bit of Overlord vibe, where it's like people trying to like survive with the fuck's going on. Do you remember the movie Overlord? Yeah. We saw that once, and I had almost forgotten that we had watched it. But I remember that was actually not a it bad was movie. I, I mean, but it wasn't one that was incredibly memorable. It just had several like scenes that were really disturbing, and mm-hmm. that was about it. It didn't really. I, I think we I think we saw that the same year that like a bunch of really good movies were coming out. Yeah. Or no, I think that was in 2018. I can't really remember. So many movies have come out. Yeah, in we past watched a few lot years. of movies that year, and it was one of the, it was one of the better ones as far as like being entertaining. Twenty nineteen was probably the best yeah. year for movies. You know why was it? You know why it was so good though to us? Because we saw Predator before. Oh yeah, and Predator and was Predator was ass. ass, and then we went to go watch Overlord. We're like, bro, this movie's fucking awesome. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, what's it called? Yeah, twenty nineteen. I remember was like one of the best years for movies in a while, and then twenty twenty happened, and I've mm-hmm. noticed it kind of bounces back and forth with movies, like. It's the same with games. Some years, games won't be as good, but movies will be good. Music, too. Uh, there'll, be er- there'll be, like, years where, like, music is just booming, bro. Yeah. So, it can, many, it can many, be many like that. albums that come out, and then, like, the next year, it's like, ah. Uh. Yeah, but uh, 2019, we got... It's funny, we got Endgame that year, and I don't count that as one of, like, the big Fuck movies. Endgame, bro. <laughs> like, be real. Endgame was ass. It just... It was the ending you, scene of you Endgame. Have a different opinion, or you like Endgame? Oh, Jordan has a lot of opinions on Endgame. I have several. I have several opinions on Go Endgame, in. but I, I think Endgame. That's the scene where the portals open. Yeah, you can't deny that scene's awesome. It feels like a payoff for all the Marvel movies you watch, but the movie as a whole, it's just, eh. It's yeah. It drags. The characters are all making jokes. You can mm. tell that they're trying to set up some like. Fuck Endgame. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Damn, bro. You're in a different room when you came in. Right? <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something, because I was listening, right? <laughs> I talked about this before. Infinity War was great. It's a great it was movie. dark. It's great. The stakes were high. Yes. You didn't know what was going to happen. Infinity right? War is probably one of the best Marvel it movies ever made. Indeed, indeed. But like I always say in this kind of conversation, right? When you think of good Marvel movies, I think you think of the first Iron Man. You think of Winter Soldier, where it's serious, the stakes are high, you know, there's a lot to to really be invested in, like Daredevil when it comes to TV shows, right? Mm-hmm. Endgame was a cash grab for Disney, right? Which was childish, the stakes were not high, and it was all for giving the fans exactly what they want. So fuck Endgame. <laughs> That's I, I don't think I don't think it was to give the fans exactly what they want. It was to give Disney exactly what it wanted. It wasn't about... I mean, there was yet some fan service in there, but... Yeah, but... I think it was just the direction that Disney wanted to take it in. Instead of trying to be like... But hold on a second. Everybody it, it, came back. The fans wanted that. The fans hate whenever people die. No, everyone has to be alive and happy and equal. Well, and well not everybody also, came back. You also got to think about this with... These franchises, they're all centered around money. It's never about like, you know what? Let's be really experimental with the story. Let's try something new. Let's make it dark. No, it's like, all right, we're going to, you know, make out a business plan, see what's going to make us the most money. So we're going to make Thor really fat and have him play Fortnite. The 10-year-olds will love that. So we're going to have a lot of kids come see this movie. 
And then for the Marvel fans that are mostly adults, we're going to throw in the portal scene for them and, like, throw in some fan service here and there. And, I don't know, maybe we'll throw in some jokes in there for seniors or some shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's throw in some, like, weird jokes for them. Yeah. It's it's yeah. stuff like that. Dude, and it yeah. never... It's never centered around one central audience. It's trying to focus on too many audiences, and to me, it just fails because of that. It's for everybody. Disney tried to do what a lot of enemies do, and that is fan service off the wazoo to keep your attention. Yeah, but anime, I'd say with a lot of animes, they focus on one audience, but but a lot of animes have some issues, in my opinion. I feel like... When I look at a movie like Avengers Endgame, as somebody who grew up like reading both Marvel and DC comics, always liking DC more, I used to play all the games, I used to have all the movies and all the little animated... I think Endgame is one of those few movies that is like lightning in a bottle. I don't mean that in the good way, like Dark Knight, in that that will never be replicated. So don't worry about... That movie is that movie, right? There will never be another Dark Knight. I think Endgame is one of those only movies that I can say is simultaneously one of my favorite in a franchise, so in Marvel Universe, and one of my least favorite because of how poorly it was executed. It's one of my favorite because it is my favorite Marvel movie thematically. So what I mean when I say that is I thought it was pretty bold up to a point. I thought it was one of those movies that tells a deeper story of loss of grief and about heroism in the face of overwhelming odds and of a terrible loss and how do you overcome that so one of my favorite scenes in the mc my favorite scene is not when captain america picks up the hammer i'm the biggest captain america fan you're probably gonna meet it's not my favorite scene my favorite scene is when captain america is running the therapy session kind of like what sam wilson used to do I think deeper moments like that or moments where you see Tony Stark in bad shape or the moments where you have Tony with his daughter or there's like a really quiet moment on the lake house where Tony's with Pepper and he's telling him he figured out time travel, right? They don't really try to give you those scenes too much because they want to focus on, all right, like, you know, nowadays people don't really have that great of an attention span. So they have to throw in a bunch of quick cuts, you know, a bunch of action scenes, and it really overshadows the moments of character development. I agree. I don't think there was too um, much action in the movie. Uh, Not an endgame necessarily, yeah. but I, I feel like a lot of those Marvel projects, they do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I was going to say... I would have absolutely loved Endgame if they took it in the direction they went with Logan. So with Logan, there were action scenes, but the character story writing really hit it home in the sense of when Logan, spoiler alert, dies, Dude, it really? meant something. What? <laughs> <laughs> really? <laughs> what? Okay, go ahead. But no, but seriously, when that happens, it meant something. Yeah, yeah. I'm not gonna lie to you. Symbolic. When Iron Man died, I was like, damn. Yeah, I teared Pepper's up. Pepper's a, a single mom now. I teared up a <laughs> like, little bit because I was it like, sucked, but at the same time, it's like, 
it didn't mean that much to me because they were so focused on so many other things yeah. that they couldn't put the buildup behind such an important moment. Mm-hmm. They couldn't do it right, mm-hmm. and that ruined it for me. To mm-hmm. me, Black Widow dying too, like yeah, that was supposed to be a heavy scene. Gamora dying supposed to be a heavy scene, mm. but at the same time, I didn't, I didn't care as much as I should have because they didn't really try hard to build up those moments as much as they should. Because mm. like again. Well, I yeah, but or even I mean, if we take it down to let's say Spider Man, the OG Spider Man with Tobey Maguire, when Uncle Ben dies, we weren't with Uncle Ben for that long, mm-hmm. but the story development and character writing up until that point made you connect with Uncle Ben. Mm-hmm. So when he passed away, that was a heavy moment. Mm-hmm. Everybody in the theater were like. That's what people. That's what there's the meme. We don't want to see Uncle Ben die again. There's a yeah. meme because it's constantly redone. But you couldn't. They couldn't do it as good as they did it the first time. You know, as like the Tobey Maguire movies are really funny when you look at them. They're really cheesy, but they under. <laughs> huh? Oh yeah, Spider Man there's, there's a billion memes out of it. But so the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, <laughs> at the end of the day, they actually understood Spider-Man. Yeah, I mean, like Spider- they they really understood him. Like, of course, like, yeah, I think they out of the Peter Parker, but you know what's the best? They, they line? did understand Peter Parker probably the best because I, I feel like with him, he's supposed to be like this nerdy guy that kind of you know has done everything on his own. Um, and he has like financial troubles. He's like your everyday guy. He's more relatable. Mm-hmm. Like he felt like the most relatable version mm-hmm. of Peter Parker. Whereas like with Tom Holland, I think Tom Holland's actually an amazing actor because I've seen him in other stuff, and I'm like, wow. I think like, he can pull off a young Nathan Drake. He he could. He I I really think he could. He and could. I saw a movie of his recently called Chaos Walking. He did an amazing job in that. He was in this movie with Robert Pattinson, did a great job in that. I think he has the potential to one day become like an Oscar-worthy actor. It's just that with Spider-Man, he does a good job playing the character. It's the writing that's the problem. They don't really understand, like, like okay, he's not supposed to be handed everything. He's supposed to be this guy that's, like, kind of, not necessarily a loner, but he's supposed to, like make everything himself he's not supposed to have like this giant crowd around him that's helping him do everything it's supposed to like Mm -hmm. i i like it like i like the idea of having a character that's like just a teenager that has like the way of the world on him like he has so many people trying to kill him you know it's like that's why i love harry potter so much i'm about to get into that now (laughs) um like i love a series like that because that's just a kid that has with him, yeah, he has a lot of help from people, but at the end of the day, it's just like, there's still scary. so much pressure put on him. It's about, like, him knowing that one day he's going to have to make a difficult choice. I mean, Harry is the better version of Spider-Man. I'm going to get so many hate for it. But <laughs> no, no, that's both true. of their parents were murdered, right? Well, Harry Potter and is, like... A, so the that's thing is, like, Harry Potter grew up with aunt and uncle that didn't really care for him. Peter grew up with an uncle, aunt and uncle that adored him. Yeah. Both having mentors 
outside of their family to give them guidance. So if both you're being like very powerful and having such superhuman abilities, whether it's magic or web slinging or whatnot, or superhuman strength, and then again having the world or the weight of the world on their shoulders because everybody expects them to get things done. Well, the other what, thing about like a character like Spider Man, um, like when you look at Spider Man, Harry Potter, they're these characters that. So it's not just the power that they have. Like if you really think about Spider-Man, like compared to like a lot of other superheroes, his powers are like they're really cool. It's cool how you can swing around, but it's nothing like crazy. It's like, not the god of thunder. In his it's not. Yeah, he's not like a god or anything. Armor from it's, Wakanda. It's his. It's his personality. It's like basically the fact that he's just a good person trying to do the right thing. It's not the jokes that he makes. It's just. The decisions that he makes, like that's what makes him Spider Man. Like that's why everybody loves him. And, and I, think, I feel like the Marvel movies now just focus on what he can do. Yeah. And like they focus on the jokes and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like when you look at Harry Potter, if you read the books, you find out that the whole reason he's been like able to get this far is because the goodness within him, like the bravery that he has, influences mm-hmm. like his decisions and it like makes his magic even better so basically that's how he overcomes like all these difficult situations and at the end of the final book he's actually told like basically he's like a better version of dumbledore which i really liked i'm obsessed with the harry potter series i just and then but the the same the piggyback on what you said i think that's another reason why the toby mcguire movies are so good Okay, they showcased a lot more of his mistakes and his accomplishments. His accomplishments are really only shown towards the end of the movie or whatnot. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the time throughout the movie, you just see him mess up over and over. And every time he messes up, he learns a little bit more. He it makes him a little bit wiser. Again, when it makes him... When it comes to the big fight, he, he uses all the lessons that he went through. In order to overcome what he was trying to overcome, it's it's the little things that make him such a relatable character. Yeah, I think seeing that's... him seeing him deliver pizza, seeing him living in like this shitty apartment, seeing him trying to like just get through school. Mm-hmm. It's just that it bothers me so much in the new movies how he has like this big group of friends. Yeah, big doesn't group of doesn't friends. matter if they're nerdy. He's supposed to be this guy yeah. that's like really on his own. He doesn't have like like the fact that he had a chauffeur basically in the newest Spider Man like. The Tom I mean, Holland one I'm talking about. Like, yeah. The fact that he had a chauffeur, like, that bothered me so much. I was like, nope. I mean, Spider-Man was the representation of the kid at the back of the class. Without the mask, he's the kid at the back of the class. Mm-hmm. But with the mask, he is Spider-Man, the most beloved person in New York City. And now they're rushing straight into like, all right, let's bring back Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and all the other you villains. You know why because, doing that? because Andrew Garfield's Spider-Man can't carry its weight for more than two films. And without other Avengers needing to be cameos in those movies. Andrew Garfield? Are you talking about Tom oh, that's Holland? The, yeah, no, Tom. Tom Holland. Yeah. I think, like, Tom Holland needs the Avengers in his movies to carry... I don't think he no. I don't think he needs them. It's that they won't give that's him the ch- written him. yeah. They won't they, give they him won't him give him the yeah, chance to be on his own. Written him. Yeah. That's, how, that's how they written him. They written him it's, off as a character who came in from Tony Stark and the Avengers, and that's what he is associated now. It's, it's because Spider Man. It's Spider Man the Avenger. Yeah, and it's like they don't understand. Like you're gonna, you're still gonna make a billion dollars with mm-hmm. Spider Man. 
if you if you make the movies you know solely focused on him it's gonna do really well like he's the biggest marvel character of all time i mean if you look at his past two movies uh tom holland's each movie was almost as a setup to bring in a new hero or to bring in something into the whole big picture it wasn't a spider-man movie to showcase spider-man it was a Spider-Man movie to build up to something more. And again, you see how money influences their writing decisions. It really tarnishes everything. I think that with the Tobey Maguire series, I agree. It definitely does showcase a lot of his mistakes. But I think there's something very human in his mistakes. And that makes him a very relatable character. Exactly. Which I think that's sort of encapsulate. That's Spider-Man at his heart, right? He's the everyman who happens to have been bitten by a spider one day which has also probably happened to all of us at some point but i think with tom holland what the issue is not i think they do show his mistakes but it's just such a dramatic mistake it's like nobody would make this mistake first of all what they're missing is peter parker is a genius he doesn't seem too bright in these movies but the mistakes he makes are like one they're reflective of deeper issues that stem from tony stark the mistakes he makes are the mistake tony stark makes like peter's 15 I get that when we were 15 we all make irrational decisions but he takes the tracking device that iron man installed in his suit out who does that iron man anyway but the issue is why would iron man recruit a 15 year old that's an issue to me in the same vein as this is an issue to me that batman recruits child soldiers to play the role of robin that's another conversation that's separate but again then you have spider-man give edith to quentin beck in spider-man far from home that's a really stupid mistake you know, I get that he is 16 at this point, 15 or 16 still, but I don't see that as the type of mistake that one, Peter Parker makes, two, anybody who gets, you know, entrusted by Iron Man, especially after death, dishonoring him. I don't see anybody doing that. And three, I don't see anybody rationally doing that. But yeah. it also shows why would Tony Stark give that to a 15-year-old, especially one that's already proven himself to be so immature. Yeah. So the mistakes Toby makes is like these are very human they're like growing pains. He's in his young, you yeah. know, early twenties. I mean, the first, the first big learning lesson was, you know, valuing who's here with you. Yeah. And trying to take the time out of your day to spend time with those that are close to you. Yeah. Because you never know exactly. when they're going to be gone. Okay. Yeah. The next biggest lesson is his struggles with MJ and mm-hmm. Harry, mm-hmm. and how he handled that love triangle. I mm-hmm. mean. That love triangle is something that happens to millions of people on the daily. Mm-hmm. That's not something that's exclusive to Peter Parker here yeah. Born and Mary Jane. Yeah. And then, even further out in Spider-Man 3, handling the engagement, or that, even in Spider-Man 2, but handling engagement, breaking off engagement, finding another girlfriend, mm-hmm. this and that, yada, yada, yada. You know, having competition with a new guy at a business that you're working on and seeing your boss favor him more than you mm-hmm. you, you know seeing those dynamics that's just something everybody deals with mm-hmm. at least once in their life yeah mm-hmm. and i and think it, i think throwing like tony stark and then the avengers mm-hmm. and all these yeah. other characters it just overshadows his story yeah because mm-hmm. with toby mcguire's spider-man you see him go from a boy that's a superhero to a man that's a superhero yeah through these growing life, like you said, growing life yeah. pain. This yeah. is just him becoming an adult. This yeah. isn't like 
him be like, oh, fuck, I gave the bad guy Tony's glasses. Yeah. <laughs> it's just him like, dude, like, okay, I'm a college student. I yeah. have a job. Yeah. And I'm Spider-Man. But at the same time, I love this girl and I want to marry her. Yeah. But she used to date my best friend. Yeah. And well, then this a and really, that. a really good version that I saw of him in the game. The game Pizza might... Time. Honestly, the PS4 Spider-Man might be my favorite Spider-Man. Wasn't that such a cool character? Yes. They developed him. The only uh, thing they fucked up was the way they just remastered him and made him look like a Tom child. Tom Holland? Oh, Jesus. I'm like, can you... Y'all made yeah, something Jesus. perfect. Why do you have to fuck it up again? I think that PS4 version introduces my favorite version of Doc Ock. That's yes. Doc Ock was insane. I've never played the game, yeah. so... Dude. Even in the original Dude. movies? At least watch the yeah, story. Yeah, he was good in that one, too. But, yeah, Doc Ock and, uh, and the game was awesome. And then the plot, the way that it goes from, like... A very happy city full of sunshine to just full of destruction and chaos mm -hmm. and it's all dark and rainy and cold almost and like a arkham game arkham. exactly and i remember at the at the last the latter half of the game towards the last section whenever he was trying to you know uh, stop the villains in the city and i think doc ock you know he's uh he takes an injured spider-man to the top of some place and it shows all the villains oh, yeah, there it's been a while since yeah. i've played it but it was just yeah. so well done oh, man. and how they're pretty much you know taking over the entire city it was really cool yeah rather your theory i don't think your theory about when you said horror games might be better than horror movies at some point i think that might go across to a bunch of genres not just horror mm. i it think could, superhero yeah. games might be better than superhero movies or, like, they'll, they'll hold more weight as far as, like, I, a reaction. So, okay, so the reason that video games aren't as big as movies right now... Like, video games are huge, don't get me wrong. But in terms of, like, how they impact us as, like, a general, like, like big audience, I don't think they've really um, made, like, a big... Like, a big video game isn't going to make as big of an impact as something like Endgame. But if we get to the point where, like, we have games that can surround us and actually make you feel like you're a part of it, I think that'll be something really, like, big. And I think well, I mean, video the games... The Last of Us is really good, but I'm talking about something that you really feel like you're a part of. Like, something well, I mean, where you actually... Is. It's a kid's game, but it's been a while. No, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about, like, futuristically, like, if we have something that actually surrounds us, like, um like projections or screens that are around mm -hmm. us that actually make you feel like you're in the game, not just virtual reality, but something that actually makes you feel like you're there. Mm -hmm. I think if we get to that point one day, that'll, I think that'll be huge. Yeah. Cause you'll really feel like you entered that I world. Don't know, though. Especially if they did a Harry Potter one, bro. I'm going to be real. Dude, I'm going to be <laughs> real with you though. As much as I want that to happen, I'm kind of scared in the hope that it doesn't. For one thing, this is what it'll cause. You're going to start seeing them create, like, like, pornography-related things with no, that, too. I don't necessarily think it's that. I think it's going to become so immersive to the point where people... I mean, people in general have addictive personalities. And I think it's going to come to the point where video games are going to be so damn immersive... That people are gonna rather wish they were just play the video game they do and now. not do. I mean, yeah, they do it now, but right, it's gonna be more extreme. Where like, 
they completely neglect everything that's going on in our life. Whether I mean, it's that scene from Upgrade. Do you remember that? Huh? See what? That scene in Upgrade where they had the VR headsets. Was that an Upgrade? An Upgrade? Yeah. He went to go get... Uh, God. Gray went to go get the little... His Upgrade... He, it was oh. failing him, and there was a bunch of people with a headset, a VR yeah. headset. And they, let, me, let me tell because, you well, one thing really quick, really quick. Really okay. Quick. Uh, one point I want to say here. There's a YouTuber I watch, really smart guy. He deals a lot with philosophy and other things. But he talked about how if you look at a lot of the old cultures, right, they always had some kind of rite of passage, and this is directed to men. How you go from a boy to a man, you know, you pass the rite of passage, you're a man in the real world, right? We don't have that in this society anymore. But he said that pretty much what our rite of passage is in the modern world is to combat all our vices and to basically be like the men of old in that sense of, you know, ambition, getting things done, being strong, right? Because vices with men especially are what keep us weak and keep us from excelling. And so that is pretty much the rite of passage for the modern man. Vices in today's world are so, uh, so exponential, we can access them just like that, that if we're not careful, they can destroy us. It's a very interesting thing, and it's very true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and that's why I worry about yeah. The, the, yeah. extreme immersion with games. I mean, again, I keep saying that when we talk about this, I go back to that anime sort of online, but... They explain it perfectly. I mean, it's a game where you download your consciousness into the game. Your body is in a complete coma while your while your consciousness is in the game and you're playing. You know. And mm-hmm. if we ever get to that point, I mean, it's easy to just be like, "Fuck it, I'm not going to work today. Well, I'm just gonna play my game." You also have to think mm-hmm. about this. You know, life. Um, you know, when you're living your everyday life, things happen, but you don't decide how they're gonna happen. Like mm-hmm. with a game, you could honestly. Decide like, all right, in this in this game, I'm gonna have like this person as my wife. I'm gonna have a Lamborghini. I'm gonna have a mansion. I'm gonna have a helicopter. All these crazy things, and I don't have to leave my house. I don't have to worry about yeah. money or anything like that. I just have to play the game, and not the extreme immersion part. You but, build a life in a video game, and you feel like okay. I need to maintain my life in this game and people get so caught up with that that they forget to maintain their life outside See, the game. What you're talking about, it, on, a, on a mass scale, it's going to happen even more as it gets much more easier to become immersed. But if you look even now at any, like an MMO, like World of Warcraft, right? I played it growing up. I was one of the victims to it. Literally uh, just spent hours leveling up in that game when my life in the real world was suffering it was going in the opposite direction it wasn't parallel and so the thing is like you said it's much easier to be like fuck i'm not going to go to work today i'm not going to go to school whatever i'm going to play this because it's much more gratifying i feel like i'm accomplishing something but you don't accomplish anything now it's true you can associate good memories with friends on those games but you have to leverage it because you can do that in anything right you know good memories friends you know we go to the movies you hang out so it's not really a good excuse the whole thing is that uh when we talk about this idea of immersion, the perfect example, like you were saying about making all your decisions and stuff, The Sims, that is the best example. Yeah. Your character, and I was telling you this in the car, right? Mm-hmm. You can start your character off super buff. You never have to do anything throughout the game. No matter what happens, your character stays that way. If you want to achieve that in real life, you have to put in years of not just uh, into practice, but studying and trial and error and failure. If you want to be a chef in The Sims, it'll take literally no time well, you're master yeah. chef real life you're gonna spend your whole life 
And uh, I read, I, or not read, I saw this YouTube video of this psychologist explaining this, and they're saying that the reason why people are so gravitated towards video games is just how, like, we're training a dog. A dog doesn't know it's doing something right unless it's given, like, a notification or it's a sound or whatever. It's so when you play a video game, a level up is showing progress. It's showing like, oh my God, I'm progressing. Mm -hmm. In real life, we don't have anything like that. Nope. We don't see achievements or progress until a much later time, over a long period of time. Mm. And that's why it's so hard for people to progress in their life at a steady rate mm -hmm. compared to how they are when they play video game. Because in video games, as you progress, there's something constantly telling you, hey, you're progressing, you're doing work, good job. You're working towards something, and as you're working towards it, you're reminded like, hey, it's getting better, you're doing good, you're getting better at something. Yeah. In real life, you go to the gym, you're not gonna see results until a month later. But yeah. if we had something where it's like, every time you go to the gym, achievement, you went to the gym for an hour and a half and burned this many calories, but here's the thing, even if you can live an alternate life in like a video game, right? If everybody's doing that and everybody's swole or whatever, like, it won't really matter at that point because everybody looks that way, you know? Yeah, like, but there are people swole, that don't care. No right? But there yeah. are people that don't care about how everybody else looks. It's a matter of, hey, do I look like this? Do I have this or not? Can you imagine if, like, all of a sudden every single person on earth said you know what i'm gonna get really swole and everybody just like started like becoming swole by the end of the year <laughs> even the girls they all just bulk off <laughs> all your professors and shit too yeah all right we uh probably have to cut it short unfortunately but yeah but we're gonna we definitely want to have you on the podcast again jordan oh, yeah. thank you it's Boy, good today we would like thank to have pleasure being here as well and we need a fourth mic next time. Yeah, we need a fourth mic. <laughs> I was really trying to figure this shit out. Yep. But so. anyways, guys, thank you for listening. Um, thank you, Edward and Jordan, for coming. Thank you. For uh, if you'd like to check out, us. check us out, and try to be on the podcast, uh, you can follow us on Instagram and message us there. Um, Riley, uh, you have your own channel to shout out. Yep, Mr. Cinematic. Check it out on YouTube. But uh, anyways, hope y'all have a good one, guys. Bye. Bye.